today's a big day. I need my Diet Coke. Do you want anything else, she said. Do, do, do you want anything else? I, uh, I, every time she says that, every time she says that, I kind of smile to myself kind of inwardly, although I'm sure there's times that I, uh, I smile uh, outwardly too and, and uh, maybe give myself away. But, but I have for the, for the last several months, it, let's just be honest, pro- the last two years, I, I go to the Atchison McDonald's um, probably four to five times every week, and I order the same thing every time. I order a large drink. Since I go inside, I don't have to say Diet Coke, although that's what I get. And each time I go in, Joanne looks at me, and that's that's her name. And by the way, if she happens to be one of your, uh, I don't know who all is watching today, if, if that's your grandmother, she is a lovely lady. Uh, but but every time I do that, Joanne looks at me like she's never seen me before in her life. Like she has no earthly idea what I'm going to order. She She's there behind the register, uh, hand at the ready, uh, maybe prepared for me to order a couple hot cakes and some sausage and, and a couple egg McMuffins and and, and coffee and all these sorts of things when when hundreds hundreds literally of times I've walked in and said I need a large coke and I usually have my dollar 9 in hand uh sometimes it's a dollar 10 and I get the penny back uh in hand ready to go and she always says is there anything else last summer uh, when the river was out and I had to go through St. Joe to get to uh, to Troy, literally, and I, I'm kidding you not, the second day I went to the South End McDonald's, uh, uh, I walked in, the lady behind the register was the same lady the day before, that was there the day before, as I walked in, I saw her reach over and grab a cup, and as I stepped up to the register, she, she said, large drink, right? <laughs> now, I don't need her to know my name. I really don't. I don't need Joanne when I walk in to say, Tim, great to see you again. I, I was wondering if you were showing today. You look like you're running just a little. I don't need her to know my name. But just once, just once I would like for her to have even the slightest hint of recognition in her eyes. Just once I would like to see her glance my way as I step up and already be reaching for my large cup before I ordered. But But here's the truth, isn't it? Don't we, don't we all just want to be known? Don't, don't we all want to know that someone knows who we are? Now, they don't have to know our name necessarily, like this case, but don't we want to be known? W- one of the messages of 1 Corinthians 13, one of the messages of 1 Corinthians 13 is that we are known. Do you realize that the God of the universe knows you by name? Do you realize that the God that created everything uh, sees you and not only knows you and knows you by name, but loves you? We sometimes can get easily distracted by that and, and, and lose our, our focus when, when really God knows who we are. See, sometimes in the church we, we, we look at uh, things that we shouldn't be looking at. We, we look at and talk about policies or practices, performance, professionalism or purpose, but really it's all about love. 
We might talk about committees, conformity, control, classes and crisis, but but it's all about love. We might pray, preach, prophesy, and pontificate, but really it's all about love. We sometimes brag about our past accomplishments, revel in our present plans, and maybe even take pride in our future pursuits, but it really is all about love. See, we can pray, read our Bible, attend Sunday school, youth group, home group, women's group, or men's group, but it's all about love. And as we come together today on this Easter, we can make it about bunnies, we can make it about Easter egg hunts, about candy, about bright colors, about spiral cut hams, and about family gatherings, although those probably aren't as, don't look the same as they did last year, but it's all about love. See, we can read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we can we can relegate it to weddings, or we can rejoice in its poetic prose, or we can realize, we can realize its powerful promise, we can realize its powerful purpose, and we can realize that the powerful position it puts us in is both uh, the position to know and connect to God, a position where we know the God of the universe loves us perfectly, loves us unconditionally, and loves us without end even though he knows us completely. Now, we take great comfort in the, in the reality that God knows us, but, but sometimes it's scary that the God of the universe knows us, that he knows what we've done and who we've been and what we've said and, and all the darkness of our life, and yet he still loves us. And it puts us in a powerful position to realize that we, are, that we can purposely practice in our lives agape love. So today, as we finish our series over 1 Corinthians 13, would you guys clap? I know you want to. Finally, 1 Corinthians, we're finished. Yeah, I had to cue them, but I know they're, they're excited. Finally, moving on to something else. But today, as we finish 1 Corinthians 13, and as we celebrate Jesus' victory on the cross, his victory over sin, over death, over fear, and over the grave, I want to remind you something. First of all, uh, Jesus, his entire life pointed to this. I, I want to remind you that Paul, who was speaking to this church in Corinth, this church that was kind of stumbling and bumbling along trying to figure it out, just like, and insert the name of your church there, if, if it's Troy Christian Church, stumbling and bumbling just like Troy Christian Church or, or whatever your church might be. But I remind you that it's all about love. Now, lest we misunderstand, lest we forget it's not just about love. That, that's, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a cool thing. Well, yeah, of course it is, Tim. But it's not just love. It's agape love. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read just the last few verses of that chapter. And, and then we're going to look at one thing here this morning, just really one main point here today as we celebrate Jesus' victory, as we celebrate Easter, and we celebrate the fact that God loves us. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. If you remember back to, to verse, verses 1 through 3, it talked about all those different things, how they, they are not nearly as important as love. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, 
then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There's that promise that we're known. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Agape love. Here's, here's our one main point, and we'll look at two subs underneath it. Here's our main point. Agape love changes lives. Agape love changes lives. When we come in contact with agape love, it can't help but to make a change. Now, now let me let me do a quick recap of what agape love is. I know we've got some people that that today are watching for the first time. We've got some other people that that maybe have been on here for just a, a few weeks and maybe haven't heard this whole series. But but I want to point out that agape love, uh, that that Greek word agape is a little bit different. In fact, uh, the Greeks had four words for love and a host of other words to, to describe things that we use one word for. We use the word love to, do, to mean a lot of things. For instance, I love my wife. Now, some of you might think I don't because I use her in so many illustrations, but I love my wife. But I also love pizza. I, I love my friend Bobby. But I also love KU basketball. I, I love my kids. But, but I'll be honest, I love a good movie. Can't wait to be able to go to one. I love my church and my church family, but but I love when the grass starts turning green and flowers start to 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 bloom and it's springtime. See, the Greeks use four words for love. Some of you, this is old hat here. We've talked about it before, but they use the word eros, which is a physical love. It's the word, a Greek word that, where we get the word erotic. It it's it's passion, a word of passion and physical attraction. They use the word phileo, which is a friendship love. So when you have something in common with someone, you have a, a common bond, you share something, and you're friends, uh, it's phileo love. It uses the word storge love, which is the family love. You've heard it said uh, you can pick your friends, but you don't get to pick your family. Well, storge love covers that part. You, uh, you know, you, maybe your family's kind of tough to love. Now, not, 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 my, not mine, because several of them are watching. My family is top-notch. But, but there is a love that we have in family that's different than all the other kind of loves. And then there's agape love. Agape love is a selfless, sacrificial love of choice. Let me say that again. Selfless, sacrificial love of choice. It loves, it loves not for what it can get. Eros love, you get a warm, fuzzy feeling. You get a, a buzz. You get, you get service somehow, and you, you feel good about what you receive out of that. Phileo love you receive companionship. You, you, you have a friend, someone to do life with. Storge love, you, you end up belonging to a family. You, again, you're getting something from it. But agape love, agape love is about what I can give. I challenge you uh, this week just to open up the New Testament, kind of open up and flip through uh, the New Testament and see if you can find the word love. Or maybe grab a concordance. Or if you have the Bible on your phone, just, just do a search of love. Uh, Check the New Testament passages almost every time, high percentage of the times, almost 90 plus percent of the times, the word for love it uses is agape. Examples, John 3.16, for God so loved agape, the world, that he gave his only son. John 13.34 and 35, Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another. Again, he uses the word agape. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus said, as I've given myself to so many people, and ultimately he went to the cross, as I gave myself in love, then you need to do it. By this, 
men will know that you're my disciples if you, if you love one another. Church, we sometimes think that the world's going to know we're disciples if we have a nice building. They're going to know we're disciples if we yell loud enough. They're going to know that we're disciples if we wear a, a, a t-shirt that says uh, Waymaker or raise a hallelujah. Or, but, but the truth is the world will know that we're Jesus' disciples if we sacrificially and in a servant's heart love one another. And then Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, he loved us while we were still sinners. When I was a, when I was a kid, I, I remember having a couple posters. Now, I am so old that Walmart wasn't around when I was a, a little kid. So I had to go to, uh, I had to, go to the dime store. Now, we have the dollar store now. Uh, when I was a kid, that's how old I am. It was a dime store. In fact, uh, if, if some of my family are watching, if you guys would just post on there the name of that dime store in Mount Vernon. Uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Chuck, worked there. can't remember the name of it. But, but if I wanted to post it, that's where I had to go. When my kids were growing up, though, though I'd go to Walmart, and I don't know if they still have it, but back in the day, they would have this at the end cap, all these posters, and you could just flip through them, just this these posters are hanging up. You can flip through them, pick the one you wanted. And so my kids, are, kids had, a, had a poster of Michael Jordan. They had a poster of George Brett. They had Bo Nose poster, him with uh, uh, shoulder pads on, holding a baseball bat. Uh, if, if you want a poster of what agape love is, if you're trying to figure out what, what does agape love mean, if you want a poster of agape love, it, it's simply this what we're celebrating today it's it's jesus on a cross dying to deal with my sin and it's the the victory he won with the empty tomb see see that romans passage said while i was still a sinner jesus died for me he he didn't go jesus god didn't look to through the annals of history and, and and look ahead and see that one day may 16th 1958 tim champ along with his twin sister mindy was going to be born and, and god didn't see ahead and say wow he is going to be so good and mindy's going to be all right too and so i'm going to send jesus to the cross because he's going to be so worthy he didn't he didn't look ahead and say man tim is going to be so good looking that i've got to i've got to send my son to the cross if god was thinking that jesus uh, was probably upset because God played a cruel joke on him if that's why he went to the cross. He didn't look ahead and say, man, Tim is going to be so talented. He's going to have so much to offer. And he certainly didn't look ahead and say, man, he is going to be so righteous. And Tim is going to be so close to perfect that I'm going to send Jesus to die on the cross for him. No. Jesus went to the cross even though, even though, even though he knew my deepest, darkest sins. He went to the cross even though he knew your stories as well. See, some of you, just like me, have, have some dark, dark sin in your past. All of us have that, actually. And Jesus went to the cross even though. See, what agape love is this. It changes lives. Now, now catch this. It might be yours. See, the life it might change is yours. Last week I told the story from Acts chapter 6 and 7. I told the story of Stephen. Uh, some of you might have caught this. I didn't point it out, but some of you might have, uh, have caught this as, uh, uh, as you were reading along, or, or maybe you knew this part of the story. But when Stephen 
who uh, was the, the first guy that was martyred for the sake of Jesus. They got ticked at him because he was preaching boldly about Jesus. They pulled him out of the city and began to stone him. Some of you might have realized this, this verse was there. Acts chapter 7, verse 58. It says, they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, did, did you remember this? Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Some of you might uh, have remember what happened next. Uh, verse uh, 1 of chapter 8. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. And maybe you knew verse 3, what was going to happen next. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Now, now let me make sure we don't miss this, this little historical detail. This guy named Saul, who it says was watching their their clothes. Now, now for us, we would probably say their jackets. For them, it would have been their cloaks. Uh, probably a couple reasons they took their cloaks off when they began to stone Stephen. Number one, they didn't want to get blood splatter. Uh, it, it was a violent thing they did. They didn't want to get blood on their cloaks. Their cloaks were very valuable, very important, and so they took them off. The second thing is, I think they took them off so that, that they could get a better throw. Uh, and, and it says that, that, that Saul was standing there he probably said, guys, lay him here. I'll keep an eye on him. And then it says that he was there giving his approval. You know, what that really means was that Saul was there cheering them on. In other words, he was probably sitting there going, hey, good throw, Ishmael, way to go. You really nailed him, Judah. Man, that was a good Joseph. Man, you got him right in the noggin. Good job, Joseph. Saul was there cheering them on. And, and then this guy named Saul set out then to destroy the church through persecution. So are you getting the picture of who this guy was? Uh, are you getting the picture of what kind of guy he was? Sounds like the kind of guy you'd like to invite home for dinner. Honey, I'm bringing Saul home. You'll love him. This, this is a guy that we're familiar with. In fact, I'm, I'm going to pause just a second. So, uh, Kids, ask your parents at home who this guy Saul is, because we, we're familiar with him. We know, we know who he is. We've come in contact with him here recently. So impress your kids and tell them, yeah, I know who this guy Saul was. Well, if, if you didn't, I'll tell you who it is, or maybe your kids told you as parents. This guy Saul had his name changed. His name was changed to Paul. See, see this guy that was was cheering on Stephen's death and trying to destroy the church in Acts chapter 9, came headlong in, in, in face-to-face with Jesus and dramatically was born again because of Jesus' love. See, see, see we've talked about this, this, guy, this guy, Paul. See, see Paul was the guy who, who had, had ruled by hate, who had been motivated by jealousy, who had been consumed by a judgmental spirit, who, who had been committing acts of violence, this guy Paul was changed. And then he became the one who wrote for us 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or the, the whole book, including 1 Corinthians 13. This guy who once was a terror to the church turned into a saint. This guy who had set out to destroy the church then became one who passionately loved the church, even so much so that he was persecuted and ultimately martyred because of the church. See, when we come in contact with agape love, when we come in contact with agape love, it might change you. (laughs) When when Reed and I lived in 
Baton Rouge. Uh, I was a youth minister at Calvary Christian Church. Uh, our, our church put a basketball team into a church basketball leave, uh, league. And uh, Leonard Navarre, the senior minister, was on the team, as, as was I. And, and my brother-in-law, Kenny Hill, uh, was on the team as, as well as two of his brothers, uh, Steve and Randy and some other guys from the, the church. And I'll be honest, we were, we were a pretty good team. We, we, we weren't too bad. Uh, and, and we played one night, we played a church. We, we got there and looked uh, on the schedule, see who we were playing. We were playing, now catch this, we were playing Agape Church. So, so we were playing Love Church. The, the game started off, I was on the bench. I think they were saying, hey, let's hold Tim back. Uh, to see if we really need him. If we get down, we'll throw Tim in. I don't know if that's why I was on the bench, but I was on the bench, and, and, and we had a timeout early in the game, and, and, and one of the guys came up. I think it was Jay. Jay came over, and, and when we got to the huddle, he said, man, that number 35, that number 35 is dirty. I'm about ready to smack him. And Jay was just, just a little bit of a hothead, a little bit more emotional, didn't think anything of it. When the first quarter ended, the guys came over, and, and, and that time Randy Hill, my brother-in-law Kenny's brother Randy, came over and said, man, that number 35, if he elbows me one more time, I'm going to let him have it. Uh, at, at halftime, we, we gathered off the side of, of the floor, and I remember my brother-in-law Kenny. My, my brother-in-law Kenny is just a laid-back guy, pretty calm, doesn't get upset about stuff, and, and Kenny's like, Man, that guy, if he keeps cussing like that, if he keeps playing dirty, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and a little bit later on, Kenny's youngest brother, Steve, and Steve, I, I was in Baton Rouge for two years. I bet I heard Steve say ten words in two years. He never talked. He was quiet, laid back, and, and Steve came to one of our huddles and, and said, that number 35, I'm going to knock his block off. About two weeks later, we got to the gym and looked at the schedule. We were scheduled to play Agape Church again. And we began to talk among ourselves. We, we are going to make sure that old number 35 is introduced to Calvary. Calvary Christian Church, we're, we're not going to stand for that anymore. So we, we talked among ourselves. And if he elbows me, I'm going to elbow him back. If, if, uh, if he pushes me, I'm going to push. If, if he cusses at me, I'm going to, well, we weren't going to cuss, but we were going to say mean things to him. And, and if he doesn't watch it, I may get kicked out of the game. We, we were all ready for old number 35. And the weirdest thing happened. The game started. And old number 35 didn't elbow, and he didn't push, and he didn't cuss, and he didn't play dirty. (laughs) And I have to be honest, we were just a little disappointed because we were ready to get him. We were going to pay that guy back, but he was a completely different guy. Now, 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 we never went over and asked, but there's only one explanation. And we did talk about that after the game. I wonder if old number 35 had finally been introduced to Calvary. Now, now not Calvary Christian Church, because we were going to let him have it. But he had been introduced to the Jesus of Calvary and the victor of Calvary. Over in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 6, we're, we're told in, in God's Word, Jesus says this, these words of challenge to us. Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 27. He says, but I, but I tell you who hear me. That's what he says. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, 
Hit him back, no turn the other cheek. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is it? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons in the Most High because He is kind to the un grateful and wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful do not judge and you will not be judged do not condemn and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven now now these next two verses are verses we often misquote give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you we often think those are words are talking about hey uh, if you give the church you're going to get stuff back and, and and it's mildly appropriate to apply it there. But what it's really talking about is if you love your enemy, if you do good to others, if you loan without expecting repayment, if you forgive, if you don't judge, then your life is going to be changed. God is going to bless you so much that you can't even believe it. See, agape love changes lives, and it, it just might be your life. But here's something I do know. Agape love will change other people's lives. Agape love, it will change others. David Platt, in his book, Something Needs to Change, tells this story. He went on a spiritual journey, hiking through the Himalayas. It wasn't just a normal hike. He was, he was seeking God's face with two or three other guys. And, and, and they, were, they were stopped at, at a little church high in the Himalayas, and they were meeting with this group. And and they began to talk, and a couple of the people there told their story. Uh, it was a couple named Sojin and Jen, uh, and, and, and the church was meeting in a room that was just off their house. And as they told their stories, they talked about the first couple that was con- converts, Ram and Rasila. Ram began to tell his story. Ram was a drunk and, and a violent drunk, and his wife Rasila said, I, I almost committed suicide but I, uh, because I was so depressed, but I, I thought of my kids and I didn't do it, but... But Ram came to know Jesus, and his life was dramatically changed. And as they told the story, Sojin and Jen said, well, well, we were part of this church, and, and then one day we were there, and there was a pounding at the front door. We looked out, and we saw guys with rifles, and we saw guys with torches, and they were yelling at us to leave the village and never return. They busted the door down, threw a torch in, and burned our house and church down. And, and so then they said we had to flee for our lives. As they were continuing to talk, David looked kind of confused. He, he said, well, well, how did you end up back in the village then? So they told the story. Well, Ram and Rashida kept in contact with us, and they told us one day about a natural disaster. A rock slide had destroyed a good part of the village, and so we returned to help them rebuild the village. And so we built this church on property that was given to us and 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 then they stopped and said but you might want to ask Bashal about that and so Bashal began to tell his story he said he said I was a tribal militant it was my job to make sure no one brought in any outside teaching to protect what we believed in and and Dave said he he looked at Bashal and then he looked over at Sojin and said were you the one pounding on their door 
And he said, yes, it was me that burnt their house down. But he said, you know what? You know what happened? They, they, they showed back up and began to rebuild our village. And as much as I didn't want them here, I, we, we accepted their help. And an amazing thing happened. I became a Christian. And then, then Bashal said this. He said, my life, my family, and this village has been transformed by God's love. Transformed by God's love through these two couples. You see, when we practice agape love, love that's sacrificial, that, that, that gives, when we practice agape love, it changes others. Now, now you might be thinking, or, or maybe this popped in your head. Now, what are you saying, Tim? Are, are you telling me that I need to move to the Himalayas and rebuild villages, or I need to move to the wilds of Africa and dig water wells, or I need to go to the jungles of South America and open a medical clinic? And, and of course, of course, I say yes. Yes. You need to move the Himalayas and build villages. You need to... You need to go to Africa and dig wells. You need to go to South America and open the medical clinics if that's what God is calling you to. But I suspect that he isn't calling very many of us to do that. But what I would suggest is that what God is calling us to is even more difficult than that. See, what God is calling us to is to show agape love in the places that he has called us to. I don't want you to miss that. Let me say that one more time. What God is calling us to is to show agape love in the places that he has called us to. I doubt that he's calling you to faraway places, but he is calling you to show agape love where you are. In the time I've been here at Troy, I've, I've told people many, time, uh, many times what my favorite week of the year is. Uh, in, in fact, I, Rita should know this. Some of you should know as well. But when I get home, I'll ask Rita if she got this right. My, my favorite week of the year, without exception, my favorite week of the year is when we go to Mexico and build houses. Now, two years ago when we went to Hawaii, that, that was a close second. But my favorite week of the year is when we go to Mexico. Mexico, Mexico is a hard week. It's physically and mentally exhausting. It's, it, it's difficult conditions. The sleeping arrangements aren't ideal, to say the least. It's hot. It's dusty. It's hard work. And then you have to put up with people like Dallas Keller and Heath Wedstein. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, those, those two guys were a hoot and can't wait to serve with them again this year. But, but what I want to catch the, is the big picture of agape love. When, when we go to Mexico we give without expecting anything in return. Even though we often say we get more than, than we could ever give when, because God blesses us, but, but we actually go and, and we love people and there's nothing they can do to repay us. I, I remember, I remember Aestonia, a little lady in 2009, we built a house for her. And as, as we did the dedication, I remember Aestonia with tears running down her eyes saying, there's no way I can repay you. There's nothing I can do to repay you. Now, now I would suggest that that week in Mexico is easy. Is easy compared to the other 51 weeks of the year. So, so where's God calling us? If, if he's not calling us to the Himalayas or Africa or the South America, if he's not calling us to move to Mexico and build houses full time, where's God calling us? Well, 
He's calling us to our homes. He's calling husbands and wives and moms and dads and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. See, that's where God's calling us. He's calling us to our workplace. Hopefully you still have a place to work and you're able to work, but but if not, when you get back, it's not a place where you go and put your eight hours in and say, man, I'm glad that's over. You really should see your workplace as a mission field. And that's where God's calling you to show agape love. He's calling you to show agape love in your community and in your church and in your ministries. See, when we do that, when we do that, others are changed. I apologize that this has not been a tra- traditional Easter type message. But what is what really is Easter about? Uh, an empty tomb? Yeah, well, of course. Jesus is it won the victory over sin, death, and the grave. Certainly Easter is about an empty tomb. Is it about new life? Well, yes. We have the promise of rebirth. No matter what we've done, no matter how far from God we've got, because Jesus won the victory, we have a promise of new life. We can always come back and be, be healed uh, uh, spiritually by Him. It is, is the, the message of Easter hope eternal? Of course. We celebrate that hope. We celebrate the hope that, that the empty grave brings us. But what Easter is about, what it's all about, what it has always been about, is love. God loved us so much that He sent His Son. Doesn't stop there, though. He's challenged us to have that same love, to let God's example of agape love inspire us to live with agape love you see you see it really is all about love